Heavenly Father, we come before you this night and we thank and praise you for the ability to meet together and, Lord, to sing the hymns of the faith and study your word. We're thankful that you got witness here today and safe and sound, and, Lord, that we'll be able to enjoy the next few days with them here. Lord, we just ask for your blessings upon the service tonight and the events of this week. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Let's take our Bibles now and turn to uh, the book of Hebrews. We just finished up our, our series on the minor prophets. And, of course, the theme of the minor prophets, uh, the overriding theme is God's judgment for Israel's disobedience to him. But the amazing things sprinkled all through those minor prophets are promises of God's love, his blessing, and prophecies of things yet to come. And, uh, but in Hebrews chapter 12, and, and this is a familiar passage to most of us, but uh, we won't be spending our main time tonight on the familiar part of the chapter. We're just going to uh, kind of brush over that there and, and set the te- context for where we're going. Verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. And so as the author here of the book of Hebrews is closing the book, he just finished chapter 11 giving the testimonies of uh, of faith down through the ages. We are told that we are to run this race with patience. Now, any of you that have ever tried to serve the Lord have known one thing. Galatians 6 is a hard chapter to keep. And be not weary in well-doing. And what happens is if we're not careful, we'll get doing things will get serving God with our own effort. And that is a recipe for disaster. That is going to bring us down and and cause us to fail. And we talk about running the race with patience and immediately we go to uh, the thoughts of running a marathon. And and, uh, I I am uh, sorry, I read an article the other day on people who prepare for those kind of super long endurance races. And it actually said, and of course I'm paraphrasing, that to run that kind of long race, a marathon, or now they're even running double and triple marathons, running 24-hour races, you got to be basically nuts. Amen? Uh, uh, you, you just do. And it does things to your body that will hurt you. 
you can over-prepare for a race. I mean, there are some people that are so ready for that race that before they finish the race, they've already destroyed their endurance and their ability to compete. And I know that sounds crazy to most of us who, who have never tried to run anything more than from the dinner table to the refrigerator to get something that we missed. Amen? Uh, of course, that's my favorite exercise. It is push-outs and pull-ins. Amen? Uh, but the uh, truth of the matter is, the whole idea of running this race is walking with Jesus from now until He calls us home or we hear the trumpet sound. Amen? And so as we look at this, we, we read up to, to uh, verse the end of verse 3. and verse 4, it says that we haven't resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And, and we're to remember that, listen... As Jesus walked that race, as Jesus went ahead for us, He endured the cross. That's, that's why we have this on the board back here, to remind us constantly that Jesus has run the race before us. He's waiting on the other side. And, and people like to make a big deal about that cloud of witnesses uh, I, I don't know. I don't think anyone knows whether they're actually able to watch us or not. But here's what Hebrews chapter 11 just told us. It says, Abel, he's dead, but he's still speaking. And, and uh, I love history. Uh, I love real history. I love the stories of people who have lived for the Savior. Uh Many of them did so and paid with their life's blood just to gather in a place like we are tonight. Just to be able to preach a sermon that the local Communist Party member has not read through and approved before you preach it to your people. To, to be able to pray a prayer that some robed clergy wrote in a book to be able to talk to God in your own words. People have given their lives for these things. Those are the witnesses. Those are the testimonies. But we get to verse 5, and it tells us that if we're going to run that race... We're not going to be able to do so under our own direction. Now, my son Stephen just loves it. He just enjoys it when I come up behind him and he's working on something. Because he knows what's coming. I'm going to go, Stephen? No, not today, Dad. I'm doing it right. Stephen, I want you to change this. I want you to do it this way. And, and many times he's, he's not really approving. And then I have to remind him that he's working for me and I'm not working for him. And, uh, and Stephen, will, he gets it all right. And he's not 
don't take me wrong here, but none of us like to be corrected, do we? And yet, the Bible tells us in these next verses, and again, we're going to kind of move right over these, that the Father is chastening us. He is correcting us. How is He correcting us? He is correcting us as we're running the race. That's why we have to keep looking to Jesus. They talk about the old days of of plowing a field, and and you had uh, uh, mules that would pull the plow through the earth, and later tractors. But if if you weren't paying attention, you would get out of the furrow. You'd do a little bit crooked there, and then the field wouldn't be properly prepared. You know, it's kind of like cutting the grass. You push the first one crooked. Well, guess what? If you don't push the second one crooked, then you're not matching your line, and it takes an awful lot to get it straight. And so the Lord has to chastise us. He has to sometimes give us a little pressure in places we don't like pressure. And yet the Bible says that if He does not do that, that we're not even His children. You know, it reminds me of a story that our children had in in one of the books, and and the son had done some things wrong, and he had tried to cover it up, and and the father had remained absolutely silent. And finally, the son couldn't stand it any longer, and he came to dad and his father, and he says, "Don't you know what I've done?" He said, "Of course I do." He said, "Well, why didn't you say something to me?" He said, "Well, I figured if my son..." wasn't going to come to me and get it straightened out. He wasn't a son worth straightening out. And that helped that son say, hey, wait a minute. I I want that correcting voice coming over my shoulder and giving me some steering. Uh, I, I want to to be changed. I, I want to be conformed. And every one of us in this room, I believe, we're on church and on Thursday night, we would say, I, I want to be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, how's that going to happen? It's not going to happen naturally. God's going to have to do some things. And when we finish this section here of being warned to accept God's correction and and not to despise that and to understand that when God corrects us, look at verse 11. Now, no chastening for the present time seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Parents, you want to learn how to discipline your children? Here it is. It should not be fun. There should be tears. Uh, The ramifications, emphasis on the first syllable, should be greater than the expectation that caused the behavioral problem in the first place. Amen? And, And 
And God sometimes has to do that to us. And it should be grievous. There should be tears. Because if we'll let God correct us, look what it says. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of unrighteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Now we get to the text tonight. The, the verses I want to cover, verses 12 through 15, 12 through uh, 14 actually. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, we look at these verses, and we have a tendency to make a break because of the huge portion of this passage already that has been uh, uh, dealt with God's chastening of His children, but we got to keep it in the context. This is all talking about running the race. How are we going to run that race with patience? Well, verse 12 is the first step, my friend. Verse 12 says, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Now, you read through your Bible, and uplifted hands is always part of what? Prayer, is it not? It tells us in... First Timothy, that men, holy men, men are to lift up holy hands unto the Lord. Have you ever, as you run the race, got discouraged and let your prayer life slip? If you've run the race at all, you've done that. Now, one of the ways that God has designed, and He's explaining to us here, is as I'm running that race, I am to be looking to Jesus. He's the author. He's the finisher. Not like things that we see going on in the city all the time. Pretty soon you'll see a fence put up around a property. And then they post a set of plans on the property. Some architect in some office sat down and he thought and envisioned and worked with the owner to develop a plan for something that he wanted to see built. And then the architect designed and made sure there was enough structure to hold it up and that it wouldn't fall in and it would last and it would do the things it were designed to do. Then the architect's done. Then somebody else comes in and digs the hole and pours the concrete and they do the rough work and and then pretty soon other guys come in and they start putting up the, uh, the structure, the frame of the building and then finally when everything is in place, the finishers come in and make it look nice. You ever seen how that works? Well, here the Bible tells us that Jesus is the author He's the architect. 
He envisioned, he made the plans, he run the specifications on this thing called faith. But not only did he sit in his office and design this, he worked it all the way through, and it was he himself that cleaned the last plate of glass that made sure that the cabinet hinges swung the right direction, that the floor was what it ought to be. That's the finish work. I met a, many carpenters over the years, and uh, we've done quite a bit around here, and, and I like doing the rough-in work. You know why? Because anybody can drive a nail, run a screw, and if it's just a little crooked, the finishers can cover it up and make it look nice. Finish carpentry. Boy, you've you got to have a little skill to do that. But you know what? Jesus didn't call anybody else in. That's why he corrects us on the way. Amen? But he says, while we're running that race, while we're looking to him, while we understand that he has done it all, all we have to do is make that faith that Jesus planned, that Jesus fulfilled, that Jesus lived, we make it ours personally. How do you do that? The Bible says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, what? Thou shalt be saved. God will take, it is finished, that Jesus did, and he'll make it yours. Amen? But as he did that, as that is happening in my life, I'm going to find out there are other people on the same pathway. And some of them are going to be discouraged. Some of them are going to think about quitting. Some of them are going to be carrying burdens that Jesus ought to be carrying for them. And it's going to be crushing them. And they're going to be under that weight, and we're going to see that. Now, how am I going to lift up those hands that hang down? You can't just come up beside somebody and grab their droopy hands and lift them up. You might get arrested around here for that. So how how do we do that? Well, that's what Sunday night is all about. That we pray one for another. You know, there's been many songs and many stories told of a wayward son or daughter who's gone out into the world... And it was Mama's prayers that brought them back. Amen? There are many people that have given testimonies. He said, I know those people at that church were praying for me. And it made a difference. What about the feeble knees? Same thing. It's prayer. It's encouraging others through prayer... Helping others to pray. Now, you know what the worst way you can help someone else pray? 
is you get down and you say, Now listen, I know you don't know how to pray very well, but I do. So listen to me and follow. That's Don't do that. That's not lifting up those hands. It's actually pushing them down. Uh, I like what the one preacher said. I, I'm not quite sure who, who actually said it. I, I think it may have been Mr. Spurgeon of uh, London, England. But he said, he that prays long at home in his closet doesn't need to pray long at church when other people are listening. Uh, This is something that we want to do. We want to encourage. We want to lift up those hands. We want people to know that this is a praying church. Amen. That's how I'm running that race with patience. If I'm not praying... Guess what? I'm not running. If I don't have time to pray for other people, I'm not running the race the way the Lord wants me to. Now, let's look at this next one. It says, And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Now, I will be the first to tell you that the wording in that verse is a little difficult. But we're not going to go where the one commentator I read went. And he says, that translation, uh, uh, let it be turned out of the way, makes no sense. Oh No, it makes absolute sense if you'll just read the words. You see, it says to make straight paths for your feet. It doesn't happen near as much as it used to uh, in my house. But uh, more often than not, when I would go to find my shoes, they would not be where they were supposed to be. Because there was a little set of feet that had found my shoes and thought it was cool to go clomping around. In fact, I think I have a picture of Sarah with my boots on and, and, and the tops of my boots are up actually over her knees, and she's just stomping around and smiling as big as day. That's what this verse is talking about. You see, others are coming behind you. Are, are you making it easier for them to follow Jesus? Or do they have to get a push broom and put it before them to get everything out of the way so they can keep following Jesus? You know, one of the illustrations that that I'd like to give on the negative side is that this is one of the great problems with contemporary music today. Is we sang some good old-fashioned hymns tonight. You know what? There's not a person in this room, whether you can carry a tune in a bucket or not, that can't sing those songs that we sang tonight. Now, you may not sing it right on tune, and that's the neat thing about being in a congregation is you don't have to. Amen? You just sing to the Lord. But you know, a lot of this newer music that they have, you have to be nearly a professional singer to, to perform it, to do it. Because if you can't reach the high notes and the low notes and, 
And, and I never will forget, while we were on deputation, this is going back uh, 20 some odd years, 25 years, and we were in a church one time and there was this lady that sang a special for church and and it didn't take us long to figure it out. She thought she was, and I won't give the name of the performer because nobody remembers her anyway, but she was one of these new contemporary artists singing there. And uh, they didn't have all the modern electronics like Brother Joe uses when in the recording studio. And it was bad. It, it, was, it was sad. But see, she had listened to that performer perform this song so many times that she thought she sounded like her. And it killed the whole service. Pride. One of the things that we all like to do so we all like to show off just a little bit, don't we? It's, it's human nature, is it not? Have you ever seen someone show off just a little bit and it just discouraged you to try it all? How many have had that happen? I have. That's what this verse is talking about, dear Christian. You see, if we're going to encourage other people in prayer, we need to make straight paths for our feet so that others can come behind us. You know what? Those ones that are coming behind us aren't always going to have the same abilities or the same strengths. And that which is weaker or lame is going to be turned out of the way because they cannot perform to the level that has been falsely set by another human being claiming to serve Christ when in all reality what they've done is just made everybody go, wow, what a Christian there. That's, that's not in service for Christ. That's not in running the race. That's why the Lord needs to correct us. If I can give this a positive illustration. I've never been in the military, but I've read books and talked to many people that have. And one of the things that really frustrates the new recruits as they get in there is they meet the DI, the drill instructor. And he said, I want so many of this, and I want this and that, and nobody can ever seem to measure up. You know what he's doing? He's teaching you one thing. You can't do it on your own. You can't measure up. He's got to break you, and then he starts building you. And I remember reading a story of, of a young man that was in the military, and he said, I just despised that drill instructor. I, could, I was just praying that someday I'd be able to spit on his grave, and then all of a sudden it came to me. Everything that I was struggling so hard to do, he was doing backwards. 
He said, I, I was running in that race and just trying to jump over those obstacles and my drill instructor was doing it backwards. He was running in front of me and, and doing a double and triple what I was doing. And all of a sudden I begin to realize something. He was trying to make a Marine out of me. He said, that's when my attitude changed. He said, he was no longer that cruel tyrant who was trying to destroy me. And you read the stories of our men and women, that have, our men that have been in combat especially. And one of the things you'll hear repeated often was my training was almost more difficult than the combat was. There's a reason for that, my friend. They want you to come home. You see, there's a way of doing things that gets rid of all the extra stuff. It's a straight path. You can't be worried about all kinds of things. You can't be thinking about ten different steps in order to procure the firing of your weapon or whatever. It's got to happen instantaneously. It's got to happen very simply. And it says, listen, we're to make a straight path lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. And then it says, but let it rather be healed. Here, here is the, the thing that we're trying to do. Is that person that's coming behind me is not supposed to be competing with me. It's supposed to be looking at Jesus. Amen. And I'm supposed to make sure that I don't add anything to the way. In fact, if there's anything that I can do, what I am trying to do is so that that weaker brother, so that that one that is lame, so that those feeble knees will have a chance to heal a little bit, so that strength can be built, so that that one coming behind me can gain enough strength to stand in the battle. Do we see that? That's what it means to let it be healed. It means maybe slowing down the pace a little bit so that that person is not tearing tissue, but allowing it to build. It's doing things in such a way uh, especially this is super important in our children's church and in, in the ministries where we teach the little children so that they can follow straight in the way. You see, the next phrase is follow peace with all men and holiness. Now, do you know that there are some people out there that just don't want to be peaceable. Have you ever met somebody just wanted to fight? I mean, 
You can't stop them. You cannot make someone love you who has already decided they want to hurt you or kill you. It says, follow peace, and what it says, with all men. Uh, I, I like my dad's rules of engagement. Number one, never look for a fight. Number two, never start a fight. And once you've done one and two, don't lose. Amen? Sometimes there will be opposition. But don't you be the one that quits. But what it's talking about here is peacemakers. Do you remember that from the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are the peacemakers. That is the highest level of attainment. I believe that those beatitudes build one upon another and that the highest level is the peacemaker. Uh, we have a modern-day word that has been intervened and, and borrowed from Proverbs, uh, kind of, uh, sort of. It's he that winneth souls is wise, and someone took those two words and put it together and said soul winner. But really, a, a soul winner is a peacemaker, is he not? Here's our problem is we try to start at being a peacemaker when we haven't been poor in spirit. And we don't make peace. We just make more strife. We've got to get the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what running in this race with patience. It's lifting up those hands. It's praying for those people that are, are discouraged in the way and... Sometimes people quit praying. We've had people come back and they've been in church and then they just disappear and all of a sudden they come back. Hey, you know what? We're, we're still here doing the same thing and we're still praying for you and we're willing to do whatever we can to help because we're still running that race. Amen? We're still striving and... And we're trying to get all of the extra things out. We're not trying to set false standards. What we're trying to do is just obey the Bible, get rid of all the extra things that are there so that there can be healing, so that the lame can stay in the way. We don't need to seek strife. You know, there's... I was listening, and my heart is grieved with the things that are going on in our nation. And But let me ask you a question. Did the Supreme Court decision about homosexual marriage, did it change anything about the Bible? Sure enough, as I was listening to the news, they had the tape of somebody standing there saying, The flames of hell await you! At the Supreme Court steps. That doesn't help us. It certainly doesn't help the homosexual crowd. And they want that stuff. 
They thrive on persecution. The news media now has what they need to keep the story running. Christians hate people who aren't like them. That's, when has that ever been the case? Not in the Word of God, amen? You see, the only answer is being set free from your sin by the love of the Savior. That's the only answer. And we're going to follow peace. But what else are we going to follow? Holiness. We spent all Sunday morning on that, so we're not going to go through the whole message again. You see, peace without holiness is slavery. That's not Bible. We've got to follow these things. You see, as we do these things, we understand, and you go through the rest of the chapter, which we're not going to take time to do tonight, we're not dealing with people out here. We're dealing with the General Assembly and Church of the Firstborn written in heaven. That's who we're dealing with. We're not dealing with people just out here. We're dealing with God, who is the judge of all men. Amen? But we're not dealing with people out here. We're dealing with Jesus Christ, the mediator between God and man. That's how we're running that race. And there's going to be those that need to pray. Make sure you're there to lift up those hands. And the best way to lift them up is get on your knees and pray for them. When their knees are feeble and can't support it, you pray extra. Amen? Make those paths straight. Make it easy to follow. Help people to understand the complicated answers aren't in the Bible. That's why Jesus said you had to become as a little child to be saved. Amen? You have to give up on all that complicated stuff. We're just going to run that race. Because we don't want to drag someone else across the finish line. If they're going to make it, they have to walk under their own power. Amen? And so we want to make that path straight and easy to follow and make sure that there are no obstacles in the way so that actually while that race is being run, there can be a strengthening and a healing of those that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Should we not get stronger as we serve Christ more? Amen? And... We have to follow peace. We have enough strife just walking down the street. But we're going to follow holiness because without it, no man's going to see God. Because our primary means of interaction is not peer-to-peer. That's the problem with the new religion. 
It's the problem with purpose-driven. That's the problem with seeker-friendly. It's not peer-to-peer. It's sinner-to-savior. That's who we're dealing with. That's how we run the race. And I pray when my race is done, people will say, if he could do it, I can do it. Amen? It's not our ability. It's all about Him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that You would help us. That we would walk in the way. We would run this race with patience as the Word of God says, but... Lord, we'd be mindful that You would allow our eyes to be open to those hands that are hanging down, to those knees that are feeble. That we would ask God to give us enough of a prayer relationship with Him that we could support those who are not supporting themselves. Lord, that as we run that race, we would be very careful not to do things that would add unnecessary difficulty to serving the Lord. But that we would keep it simple and Bible. And Lord, a way of healing. A way that the lame could stay in and not fall out. Lord, that we would follow peace and holiness They go hand in hand, could not be separated. And Lord, that our first and foremost attention would always be on the Savior. He has finished that faith. Lord, help us to finish that faith as well. We ask you to work in our hearts and lives. Encourage us in your word and in your name we pray. And let's just keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed before we finish the prayer publicly. If you need to just slip out the altar.